This show is brought to you by our sponsor, Bitheads. They are a staple in the tech community I come from and have done incredible work over the past 18 years with some of the largest brands in the world, including The Simpsons, Tapped Out, Box, Optimal Payments, The New York Times, among many, many, many others. All told, they've built over 500 solutions from enterprise to entertainment. I'm proud to have them as a part of Untether.tv. Please support us by supporting them. Go to bitheads.com. Hello, everybody. My name is Rob Woodbridge, host and founder of Untether.tv. Today's episode is a little bit of a departure from the usual focus on the mobile industry. In fact, today's guest is a VC, and we're going to explore what companies he's looking at to invest in and what it takes to get in front of him and a whole bunch more. His name is Anamitra Banerjee, and he is a partner at Foundation Capital. And he came over to Foundation with eight years of product management leadership experience in the consumer internet space at Twitter, Yahoo, and Overture. And before working in product roles, Anamitra was a software engineer in the enterprise data space for four years. He's also an entrepreneur. He's been on that side as well, having co-founded an internet healthcare company, Planet Health Online, during the late 90s. Anamitra was employee number 30 at Twitter, where he was their first product manager and built out Twitter's advertising team, incubating from scratch, all three products, the promoted tweets products, the promoted trends, and the promoted accounts. And he also led them in getting those products up and running. As a partner at Foundation Capital, he focuses on identifying, investing, and promising startups in the communications, commerce, mobile, and marketing technology industries. Enjoy this episode and learn from Manamitra and how to get in front of him. If you're looking for venture capital, this will be an ongoing series as we try to explore and understand what it takes to get some investment dollars into your company. Without further ado, here is Anamitra Banerjee. Well, Anamitra, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for opening up yourself to answer these questions that these entrepreneurs are driving at me day in and day out. So I, I got to understand, first of all, what is your area of expertise? You know, what industry are you responsible for uh, at Foundation Capital? So my in the, in the past, uh, what I've done uh, over the last sort of last 10 years has been um, product management work um, at a number of uh, interesting companies. Uh, so, and my background has really been in, uh, while I started off in the enterprise, uh, mostly databases, data warehouses, uh, more recently I've been working on consumer products and monetization and marketing, things like that. And uh, So my area of interest here, um, at least a, a year and a half into venture, is to focus on uh, consumer and marketing technologies. Um, in a way, they go hand in hand. You first get consumers and then you figure out a way to monetize them. And there's usually providers on either end who help you do that. Uh, so that's that. Those are the two areas that I like to spend some time on. So, uh, I mean, is that is that the uh, a good approach that you're you're finding right now? Is that uh, to go and find customers, go and find users, uh, and then and then turn on revenue? Is uh, when you look at an investment, is that what you're looking at? The number of users, the engagement that they're having. It depends on the com uh, kind of company. So let's say it's a a SaaS company. Um, that provides analytics for uh, mobile app developers. Um, and there's a company that we invested in recently called Localytics that does exactly that. When we look at that company, we look at the revenues they're making from day one and how that revenue is scaling from day one. So we care a lot about their sort of monetization engine um, and how they, that will scale into um, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a year. 
Whereas if it's a consumer company, um, going after um, a, a large, uh, large market with an interesting um, product experience, uh, what I care about more there is that how does this product get into the hands of tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people? Um, and if you're able to manage that or if you're able to show uh, evidence that you're able to get to that stage, then the monetization will just come naturally. And I think of that, I, I think of monetization as something that is secondary um, to, to user adoption and user growth. You know, I've often heard that, that revenue, uh, there's a natural inflection when revenue arrives. Right, where the service is not, you're not forcing the service or the product onto somebody. They're willing to pay and they're, in fact, they're demanding to pay. So, you know, when, you, when you're forcing revenue, it means that you're either too soon or that there isn't a business there. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, sometimes uh, users, uh, consumers, let's say it's a consumer product, consumers aren't always willing to pay. Uh, they actually want the service for free forever. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, you know, there are models in which that's possible. Um, and advertising is, a, is one that comes to mind, and other ones are, are, are sort of virtual currencies, micropayments, things like that. Um, in, in, in general, like advertising seems to be the most uh, sort of scalable monetization model. Commerce is also a scalable monetization model. Um, but, in, but in general, uh, for early stage companies that, um, that uh, I, I know they always have a slide, even in the seed stage, about how they'll make money, and that's good because that means that they're thinking about monetization. But I, I generally pay no attention to that uh, for early stage companies. I really, I, I really, what I, what I prefer to see is that uh, do do users care for what you're building? Are they are are they jumping through hoops to um, to get your product? Are they are they spending a lot of time on the, on your on your product? Um, and those are the things that I care about most for consumer companies. Is that is that how you decide what to invest in? Uh, it's it's it again depends on the company. Okay. In, you know this is this is not a secret. I think in general. Um, there are sort of three things that uh, that that we look for, and I think all generally all VCs look for, uh, and it var the weights that you align assign to each one varies over based on the stage of the company. Are they if they build if they build something, are they addressing a very large market, uh, or are they addressing a very small a small market? Um, as as that as that grows, as as the company grows, then. Um, you you maybe you assign more weight to the product itself. Is that uh, gaining market fit? Is that gaining adoption? Um, you know, these are sort of like these are sort of these are like this is a template that you generally use for uh, kind of any any meeting that you have. But then there are sort of uh, you know sparks of genius. For instance, for example, as a company is moving from a seed to a Series A, um, the thing too that I I try to look for there. I know beyond. Um, I, I, ideally, do they have do they have growth? Are they, are they demonstrating some level of, uh, uh, of of sort of user delight, consumer delight, or, or, or customer delight? Uh, and and if not that, have they have do they have some insight about the market, about the product that no one else has? Uh, as a result of going through going through their um, uh, the year year or so that they've spent before the Series A, um, and sometimes that's uh, investment worthy. Uh, the interaction that entrepreneurs have with founders is an important uh, uh, driver of decision making and multiple interactions are even better. Then you really get a feel for uh, what the founding team's DNA is all about. Um, because, um, because when you're inside of, uh, of a startup, um, your, um, uh, most things are oftentimes very chaotic. And even though it's chaotic, there are a few things that are, that are going right. And if you're in a market that's rising and doing well, uh, the things that is not that that's not working inside of your company tends to get uh, uh, sort of uh, hidden, 
Um, but that, but that's okay. Uh, I think uh, many entrepreneurs are very sophisticated and they present very well in front of in front of VCs. And I think investors in general look for uh, look for good stories. Um, and 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 I, and I don't think they look for sort of curls and creases or, or things that are not perfect. Uh, but the truth is, there is most things are, are imperfect. Right. And my my sort of my inclination is always to go try to go underneath the surface to figure out you know what is the real use case here? Why is this really working? Or uh, is this and even if it's a trivial use case, even if it's not defensible at all, maybe it's still good enough. Um, and, and so, so my so my interest is always to go to the heart of what's what's the gem. That being said, how do founders or entrepreneurs get in front of you? Is it difficult? I I, I saw a TechCrunch interview with you maybe a year and a half ago, uh, early January. Said, hey, come one, come all, when you were just starting out. Uh, so a year and a half later, uh, how how do uh, how do they get in front of you? I still work in the same way. Actually, it's still. Um um, the email um, on our website is, is, is one way to access. Uh, um, uh, what, what usually is a better way to access is via some referral. So either someone I know on LinkedIn or someone who knows me uh, via in places I've worked in um, are, are, are good. And that's generally, I think, a good advice to reach out to any VC, not, not just me, is to, is to go through some, uh, some trusted source because I'm sure everyone gets a lot of inbound. Uh, and, it's, uh, and most of the inbounds doesn't tend to be all that good. Uh, in general, versus something that's filtered uh, through some source you trust. Those are the best ways. Have you, do you know, I mean, I know Foundation has done a lot of investments, but for, for you, have, has something ever come into your inbox just out of the blue and blown you away, ever? Or any uh, of your partners, do you think? I, I don't know about my partners. I'm sure there must have been something in their careers. Some, and many of them have had sort of long operating careers and then long venture careers. For me, not in the last year or so, not not really, no. No, and so uh, that's probably good advice is that uh, the warm referral means that there's a value to that person and they're staking their reputation on the introduction, right? So there's got to be some yeah. belief in it, right? Yeah, and then there are a few other things that I would say for... Uh, and this is sometimes hard to do if you want to do it in scale. Um, sending out uh, cold emails, um, uh, you can sometimes tell if, uh, if, the, if, if like you are one of 8,000 people that they have emailed that day because your, the font for your name is different it's from so the font terrible. for the body. Can you believe you people tell. do that? Yeah. It's, I mean, I can understand why they do it because they have to, like, the, the, the conversion rate is pretty, pretty low, so you have to send out a large number. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing like maybe personalizing a little bit. Um, some people take good approaches where they say, "Hey, it looks like we have a few people on common on LinkedIn and in common on LinkedIn, and here the here's here's how we." So first thing you do is like establish yourself yeah. as someone that you should listen to, and then you know here's a really interesting idea. I think most of the times it just breaks down into um, the project ideas are somewhat derivative. They're um, they're um, they're not, uh, and sometimes they have they have powerpoints also. Um, it's um, uh, but the ref the referral route is probably the best route. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I can't imagine anything else. Like uh, you know, the, the unsolicited stuff. Maybe it's 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 okay, but I'm sure that you guys filter things very quickly. And I've been yeah. I've I mean, pitched. I'm just I'm I'm just trying to think about sort of the largest companies or even moderate companies that have started. Um, most entrepreneurs tend to be pretty dogged in their in their approach, and they they tend to be pretty. Um, uh, when they're trying to raise, they're trying to speak with everybody. Yep. Um, and uh, I'm just trying to think of has anyone invested in, in in a Google or a Facebook or something like that out of out of email? Um, I'm I'm guessing not because most 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 great ideas tend to seem terrible early on, and so they tend to get deleted right away. And it tends it tends to require some persistence. 
uh, on the part of the entrepreneur or their backers to uh, to get this in front of the right, right people. I love that perspective. You're right because if it was just if everybody understood it, it's it's not an idea that you want to invest in ultimately, right? It, it, you you have to go through that rejection, I think, in order to be able to be put onto that pedestal as as a company that is valuable later on down the road if you're thinking a little bit differently. Um, yeah, and I, and, I, and I also think of that I, I've been uh, uh, I've been on the other side for a little while, and I and I also think that in, initially the rejection seems like oh it's not the same as getting a low GMAT score or a SAT score or or or, or not getting into ideal right. ideal school grad school. This kind of rejection is kind of random. It is no real reflection on the quality of the work or or, or the quality of the person because. Um, some some investors are just not interested in that space. Some investors just don't understand, and uh, it's not it's uh, the value of a rejection is low. The signal the signal you get from a rejection is lower in this case than it is in other places. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You shouldn't take it to heart. So, some should. Some ideas are just not good, right? And and you should take it to heart. You keep trying, right? You do. Uh, you know, there's there's a um, I I gotta ask. Is this an old wives' tale? Um, where uh, you invest, people always say this, that, that VCs, they look at an idea and they look at the team, and even if the idea sucks uh, and they're impressed with the team or it's a quality team, they'll invest in the team. Is that true? Is 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 the team that important and the idea secondary? Uh, let's take, let's let's sort of test that. Let's say the founder of Facebook. Right. Um, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg yeah, yeah. Their next idea was terrible. Yeah. It was really bad, and, and they they went out and they asked VCs for money. I would think every VC would put it put in money, even though they think the idea is really bad. Yeah, um, that's an extreme example. But what I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make is that you, the bet this works only in the early stage. Right. Seed, maybe Series A, early stage, which is you 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 have a um, a relationship with the entrepreneur. You, you, you basically it's it's a case of risk mitigation. And the risk uh, that you're taking on is this product is really bad. Uh, they will probably pivot. This will probably not work. Uh, but there's there's some genius in this team, in this person, because you've known them. Someone else has known them. They have a track record. They'll figure it out. Um, and 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 I think that's what people are signing up for now. But that doesn't go on forever. I mean, at a certain point, you you have to a charisma, uh, sales ability, marketing, but all of that sort of uh, has to be put aside. And you have have to ask the hard question: like, Do people care about what you're building? Um, and uh, and if, if they don't, then you know that takes certain types of investors off the table. How do you? You know, it's it's so interesting. I love that. I love that. Like you have to succeed at some point. But how do you? You know, around that, how how do you become one of those guys, right? So if you if you are emerging in the tech scene with your company, how do you become one of those guys that that is somebody that you go back to quite often to invest in in every one of those companies? Is is it even possible without something like an exit or uh, a good relationship with you guys? Uh, so you mean like how do you become one of those guys that people invest in blind kind yeah. of like blindly? Yeah, just like okay, he's in, I'm in, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh there are different tactics I think entrepreneurs uh, take here. One is um, uh, you you demonstrate that you're able to hire some high quality people early on, like you know the top the top one two percent engineers at the top tech companies, and if they join you, that's a good signal. Then there might be something interesting. You might be doing something right, mm -hmm. um, and and then and then you you might get an advisor who is the expert in your in your field. So they have like anointed you as like this team is the right team to solve this problem. And then once you get that, then 
um, uh, then you might get some user testimonials, you might get some, uh, or ideally you have a product out that has some adoption. And then I guess you have a hit list of investors you want to talk to. People who, uh, who believe in the same things you believe in, or who say they believe in the same things you believe in, you have those meetings and usually it takes a little while if it's a, it's a, if it's a solid team, really insightful idea that you have a, a good angle into the market, a wedge that, that no one else is thinking of. Um, yeah, and you introduce that, and you get sort of one investor in, and then and the one investor comes in, and then and then you go back to all the other investors, and they say, and start, you know, you you, you begin to say, look, we're, we it seems to be getting some traction, we seem to be getting some investors, and and that's the way sort of you, it's sort of like you 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 sort of um, um, you, you sort of you sort of fight one battle at a time, and and. And if you succeed in one of hiring the right people or getting together with the right team, getting together with the right advisors, having a unique point of view about how you'll go about it, maybe even have a product out, and then you sort of package that all together and you meet the right kind of investors. When, when is when is the right time to give up from an entrepreneur's standpoint? Uh, you know, never. That's a, that's a great that's a great thing. But when is but from from a VC when when you've gone after VCs and you've pitched and you've done a hundred like I I know entrepreneurs that have done 70, 80 pitches to VCs and 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 they're 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 gaining no they're not getting any traction they're not getting any traction and the runway is running out and and you know they've got product out and and they're and they're pitching and and they're getting the same feedback which is kind of complacent feedback not amazing feedback but not negative feedback they're in that limbo state. At some right. point, do they? What happens to those guys? Because there are a lot of them out there, right? That 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 have pitched yeah. so many times, and nobody's telling them to put it put a bullet in it, and nobody's telling them, uh, you know, to go for it. What do you yeah. What do you tell those guys? So no, so no investor is ever going to say put a bullet in it is a stupid idea. No one's ever going to say that, Good. even though yeah. sometimes they might think that. Uh, <laughs> why don't the they reason, say it? Why don't they say it? I think they don't. I I might take. Uh, and why they don't say it is that they have there, there is only downside. There is no upside um, because um, I think every investor is always talking to the entrepreneur they haven't met, and they're 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 always um, you, there might be a chance that this entrepreneur in their next um, next effort uh, will remember that you gave some good advice and they'll come back to you. Right, uh, and that. And that one that they're working on could be the next Google. You never know. Right. Um, so there's no reason to. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes entrepreneurs don't want the bad news. Yeah. It's yeah. like you rather a soft no is better than a hard one. Yeah. Um, and you know that's one thing I've I've learned early on is that you know as a product person I you often, you know, I'm often pretty sort of uh, straightforward about why. It's binary, about, right? It's yes yeah. or no. Yeah. yeah. At least at least you're binary about why you think that way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so so I think entrepreneurs at a certain point, uh, uh, the ones who are good are, are intellectually honest. They're able to sort of figure out the real signal from the feedback from the noise, especially if they're talking to people who have experience in their field, and they'll say, "Here's why it's not working," and and here's something that you fundamental issue in your approach. Okay, so what are the questions that they should ask? Uh, you to be able to get through this process like so when they're sitting in front of you so they've gone through that process they've they've uh, cold emailed you they've been persistent 10 11 or 12 communications they found somebody to introduce you guys you finally get them in front of you and what are the questions that they should be asking you so that they can come to a conclusion whether or not you're the right investor or this is an idea that's investable what are the questions I, I think for most presentations um, there are always one or two, it always comes down to sort of one or two key questions. 
And uh, one or two key questions could be, um, is the market big enough? Like, is the real market big enough or, or, or not? Or is, the, is this the right product or not? Or, um, or, um, or uh, it usually comes down to one or two, or it comes down, and, and, the, and the sensitive area is uh, the team. Is the team good enough? Is the CEO good enough? Founder good enough? Um, that's generally a little bit harder, more sensitive uh, discussion. But the first two, product and market, um, I think I think investors try to explain uh, when they, I, I think most investors when they pass, they try to explain why, and uh, and and sometimes you know they have it sometimes it's generic like the market is too small or you're too early for us and things like that. But generally, there's a real reason. Maybe the team isn't right, or the combo isn't right, or the product is too um, you know too much like everything else. Um, and I think if the if, the, if that's the feedback, if the, if the product is like too much like everything else, then I think it's for the entrepreneur to say, okay, if if that's true, then uh, what's a different cut at this? Or or maybe yes, maybe it's the the next social network for people is not the right idea, even though Facebook is not really good at everything. Right. Uh, maybe that's that play is already being played out. You know, I, lo I love when entrepreneurs and I, I am one, so it's very difficult. But it's like, um, you know what Facebook's doing wrong? Like, I love when you know, that's not a place to start with when they've got 1.4 billion users, right? You have to you have to come up with a little bit more unique uh, uh, angle, I suppose. Right. What's, what's the most important slide in a deck that you would receive? It's uh, it, again. It varies. Depends on the company. Uh, depends on the stage. Depends on what they're going on going after. Sometimes it is the product slide. Sometimes it's the unique uniqueness about their technology. Uh, sometimes it's the team. And if there is only if if I were doing a bullet a sort of gun to my head, I have to pick one. It'll probably be a chart uh, that demonstrates uh, that dem demonstrates evidence. So it could be growth in users, it could be monetization, it could be some inflection point in the company. Okay, so it, it literally, you, you demonstrate something that's unique about the company and whatever that metric is that you are holding, I don't know, that you find valuable, place that in this slide and make sure that you're demonstrating that. Basically, then it comes down to that, the fact that it's working yeah. and it's working really well. Gotcha. Gotcha. However, you are able to demonstrate that. That's all. That's all that matters. And then, and you know, because everybody puts a lot of emphasis on, you know, there's a process and there's a slide deck and there's a template that you put in. And and is the team ahead of the finances? Does anybody believe finances when you got hockey? You know, so that's interesting. Is that you show, demonstrate capability, demonstrate value in the metric that is important to your company. And then, and that's that. That's your that's your most important slide. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the other thing I would say is that packaging. The story into a narrative that is um, that is exciting because you know if I had to give one advice to entrepreneurs, it's like if they have a long if they have a long slide deck, it's rare that they are actually able to go through the entire slide deck. So uh, I would say keep the top part really light and put all the detail into the appendix uh, so that you can pull anything out. But have a story that you can actually tell uh, an investor uh, over a walk or a coffee. Um, and the slide deck is almost like a tool that you use in in in, in case you happen to be in front of a, uh, a screen. Right. But you should be able to tell the same story without a deck. It's and true. when you are presenting, you sh there's no real need to look at a deck. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Yeah, you don't pull don't pull out the laptop. Just tell the you know have a conversation about what it is and make yeah. sure. And sometimes, if the company is sort of uh, very product oriented, then a demo could be good enough. Yeah. 
What's the oddest pitch you've ever received? Is there anything that's that you've just kind of, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, we have a we have great companies in Ottawa, and one of them is called WeVibe, right? Which is taking the, you know, it's a marital uh, aid, I suppose, is the best way to put it, and it is uh-huh. taking the world by storm. And I can imagine the the VCs that they pitched and the response that they got saying you know as they as they push them out of the door but uh you know these guys are doing 25 35 million dollars uh you know a, a quarter almost in revenue now and growing gangbusters so what's the oddest pitch you've ever received it was not com- it was not a complete pitch but this happened uh, via a uh, via referral but it was a quantified self product for a uh, uh for a part of um for a, for a, for uh, for people that I'd rather not get into um, and it, it, the whole pitch was it's a learning tool. It has machine learning and helps you get better and better. It's uh, that was that was the oddest, uh, oddest, oddest pitch I heard. It was like take one derivative, marry it to another derivative, and use uh, use a use a term that is commonly used to demonstrate technical depth and say that that's going to be. And, you know what? At the end of the day, that whole thing might actually work really well. <laughs> okay, well, it's it's interesting. I've seen the quantified self uh, chip for dogs, right? So you get a, like a uh, a Fitbit for dogs. I thought that was an uh-huh. interesting. Piece. Somebody put money into that, but um, uh, you know what? Uh, like when you look at your portfolio, and I know you've only been doing this for a short amount of time, uh, has there been a company that you've passed on that you've regretted passing on? Uh, no, not, not yet. yet. Okay. Not yet. That's going yet. to happen, though. You anticipate that that's yeah. going to happen. Uh, it prob- probably. I mean, if, yeah. if uh, uh, that if that happens, I think in a way it's a it's a, it's a good thing because yeah. then you're in the in the flow of very interesting companies. Right. Do you hunt for for opportunities? Like, is there is there a an industry that you're watching right now that you're looking for opportunities in an industry, or are they coming to you? Because of who, who you guys are and what foundation is. Most of my uh, most of my efforts are uh, are are outbound. Are either um, looking through uh, specific areas of innovation that I think are interesting uh, spaces, as opposed to anything that's inbound. And in my experience, in so far in the short time, has been uh, the outbound efforts are way more valuable than the inbound efforts. So just like the entrepreneur who's trying to beat down the door of an investor, I am doing the same thing, trying to beat down the door of an entrepreneur. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, is there an emerging area that you're looking at thinking, wow, if there were more companies in here, and are you directive like that? So you have your favorite entrepreneurs and you say, look, I'm willing to put money into a company that does this, go and build that? Is there an industry like that, that that's emerging that you don't see, oppor- that there's opportunity, but you don't see any companies? Uh, I, I, it's, um, there are a few areas, uh, in, but I, but I think this might be just because I don't know about all the companies in that space. Um, uh, I don't know, one, one area, obviously, I think everyone is looking at is that as people spend, today they spend maybe two, three, four hours a day on their phones. Over time, if they begin to spend about 10 hours a day on their, on their phones, you know, um, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you create an experience where uh, people are actually, uh, people are actually um, uh, making money off that time spent. So if you look at the disparity be- between sort of time spent on mobile versus advertising revenue, it is very similar to the way the web was back in 2004, 2003. I had the opportunity to work at a company called Overture back in 2004. Uh, Overture uh, invented paid search. Um, so those search bought by ads, Yahoo, right? They bought, bought, bought by, by Yahoo. Yahoo. Yeah. That's right, and, and, and AdWords emulated, uh, Google emulated uh, Overture, invented AdWords, and made a lot of money. Overture instead got, 
uh, got acquired. So one of the things that we saw back then was the, was the gap between time spent on search and time spent online versus ad revenue. And people would say, there's no way this thing is ever going to make any money. This search had little links that nobody's going to care. Same thing is happening now with mobile. What we've seen is that um, essentially desktop ads, shrunken, uh, a shrunken version of desktop ads now appear on mobile. There's, no, there's nothing fundamentally new that's being done on mobile. And one of the opportunities, I, I worked at Twitter where I had the opportunity to start advertising at Twitter. One of the things that uh, we were all able to do along with a, a lot of other companies subsequently is, is, is develop a unit and ad unit specific to mobile. So, but that that's only that only word really works in Twitter. What happens to the rest of the rest of the uh, 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 inventory on on mobile phones and desktop apps? Um, uh, how 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 do you have how, how do you create a, an um, a monetization unit um, that will really work for the phone? Yeah, you know, what I mean, I think uh, that's a, a huge riddle. Yeah, because what's yeah, working? And, what's and not, sorry, what's out there right now isn't isn't quite working, right? Like banner ads suck on 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 mobile phones. That is not the answer, is it? That's right. That's right. And you know, people don't like it. Consumers don't like it. No. Uh, nobody really likes it. But the reason I think people are still buying it is it has scale. It has enormous amounts of scale. So I, I challenge it. Can someone come up with some ways in which you know you can build a new overture for mobile? Yeah. Um, you know, related to that, another interesting thing is that you know, um, most of the things that's happening on the on the web, um, the highest value signals are when people directly enter what they want, just like in the Google search box. Right. Um, uh, and everything else is kind of inferred, and big data obviously helps in in in, in making these predictions. But um, nothing has really come about since Google or that captures your intent in a very qualified way. No, uh, but true. again, on mobile, you have the opportunity for the first time because people are actively um, publishing their location. They they are searching in, in, uh, native iOS search and Android search to figure stuff out. Uh, they are going from app to app. They're clicking on links. That gives you a lot of information on what they pe what people really want. Yeah. Um, but there's no, there's no, there's no. There are interesting companies beginning to innovate in that area, and I think that's really interesting. The other other area that I think is really really interesting is that the world has gone from sort of portals uh, where you aggregate uh, mostly editorially a bunch of links that uh, help to discover the web. It has then gone to social, where your friends and uh, your interests, the people you follow. Uh, curate the web for you, and you click on links to get to a different piece of information. And the world, and the web has transitioned into into messaging now is a primary way in which you're beginning to discover uh, information on the web. It's 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 small group conversations, even one to one conversations. Now, how do you how does that monetize itself? Now, we're seeing very very interesting things out of China uh, in companies like WeChat. They're able to make money off commerce, off of uh, off, off of a messaging feed, which is very different from a news feed, uh, and that innovation will happen in the U.S. at some point. I think Xiaomi what sold a ton of phones uh, off of a messaging application. Yeah. Uh, how does that? Uh, it's it's very interesting because uh, you know you start to see things like like that, and then you start to see something like the Amazon Fire, right? The phone, which is which to me is is much greater than a phone. I mean, it's a lame phone. You know, it's got great specs, but it becomes really. The very first mobile commerce system or uh, platform, right? And it's just in the shape of a smartphone today, right? But it, it, who knows what it's going to be later on? Like their button, you know, the uh, Surefire, the uh, Flyfire piece of technology on the side that actually allows you to, uh, you know, catalog and categorize and get stuff into the inbox or into your uh, into your basket faster. Yeah. I think that, that that's yeah. fascinating. That kind of stuff. Um, like the, the other the other example is sort of like when you see something in the real world. Um, and you want to find out more. 
the only thing you can do is uh, guess on the right keywords to search for on Google. Right. And that's 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 the, that's like the desktop solution. There's, it doesn't feel like the mobile solution. So right. I think what Amazon is doing is kind of interesting, and especially with stuff like iBeacon, when you walk into your store, if every single product uh, is somehow uniquely identifiable, um, then then the world and the way you interact with the world with your phone or any other device or wearable device can become kind of interesting. Amazing. Yeah. So those are huge, huge opportunities, and they're they're not easily solved, which is a good thing when it comes to approaching a venture capitalist, right? So yeah. you've identified the problem. You know what the problem is. Come in there with a great solution. Do, yeah. you ha do you have a favorite startup? Something that maybe you've invested in, or something that you're looking around. Something that you're, you know, I know you work for Twitter. You you work for Overture. You've invested in in a number of companies. Is there is there? Do you have a favorite one? Can you tell a favorite? Um, I don't know if I have a favorite, but I'll tell you the three of my, uh, the ones I'm involved with that I sure. like a lot. Yep. Um, you know, starting with Kick. I think we got involved with Kick very early on before the messaging boom really hit Silicon Valley. And, it's a, it's and a Canadian have, company, right? It's uh, a Canadian Waterloo, company, yeah. uh, which is why we invested. No, yes, of course. Yeah. There's lots of us up here. Yeah. Uh, it's a high, but they had a phenomenal insight that messaging will become, the, become it will be to the phone what uh, the, the social networks were to a desktop. In North and America, just let me ask you: In North America, was there anybody ahead of them at the time? Um, not that, not as far as we know. Outside of maybe, um, I'm not sure what Facebook Messenger was or, or iMessage, which is, which is iPhone. Yeah. But in that category, which is uh, young, Cross young platform. demographic. Yeah. 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 I don't. I don't. I, I don't think so. I think they're definitely not WhatsApp. That 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 that's that's what we know. Yeah. Um, and then the other two companies, I think I, I mentioned one, Localytics, which is do, which is trying to, I think. Um, um, again, do the same thing for building very fundamental mobile infrastructure for large enterprises that they you are used to on the web and, and on the desktop, and they don't have that on mobile. I think uh, sort of bridging both analytics and marketing together. I think they're doing a phenomenal job at localytics. And the final company I think we invested in, and there's been a surge of investments in that area. Uh, we invested in a company recently called Spoon Rocket, uh, based out of uh, uh, Berkeley, with operations in Berkeley and San Francisco. What they do is they basically deliver a warm, high-quality food oh, in under ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, it's a phenomenal experience once you once you experience and you press a button, uh, and your food is 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 uh, is ready for pickup at your curbside. It's like it is, it is like the food button on your phone. I like that idea. Like right about now, I'm starving. Right. Uh, yeah, and it works really well for lunch and office places and stuff like that, and even for dinner. It's. Um, it's fascinating how you know when you build a service for people who are lazy or are willing to be lazy, and you make it super super easy for them. Yeah, um, they're willing to spend. How, how do you, how does something like that scale, right? Like how do how do you take that? Because I'm I'm going to assume that that's Silicon Valley or San Francisco based, right? Um, uh -huh. how, how do you how do you then move that you know west to east, north uh -huh. to south, in, in a timely manner where there aren't all of a sudden you you arrive in New York and there's somebody else who's stolen that idea. Right. I think I think that's a very good question. I think that's the fundamental uh, um, sort of opportunity and challenge for our companies like Spoon Rocket, which is how do you scale growth? How do you rapidly scale growth? Um, and uh, uh, historically, we've had a few templates. Now we've had a few uh, playbooks. Uh, looking at companies like Yelp, and Uber. Uh, looking at companies like Grubhub and companies like Uber and Lyft. You know, yep. they have gone city by city. I think one approach that works is you build some level of depth inside of a city. Uh, you build a marketplace the, where demand and supply are balanced and matched, and, you're, and you understand the market, and then you move on to the next city. 
such that each and then over time each launch it becomes easier and easier and easier and easier and faster. So I think now I think you know uh, Uber in, the, in Europe I was hearing they they launch multiple cities in a week, yeah. um, and they've got that playbook down. So you know our, our aspiration will be something like that. Yeah, I like I like that idea. Um, I like the idea of hot food delivered to my door. Trust me. Yeah. Get it up here in Ottawa. I know it's not the yeah. it's not the next one well, on the stop here, right? But all right, last question, Anamitra. Thank you for spending this much time. I really appreciate your insight. It's been fascinating for me. Um, you, where do you get your inspiration from? Where do you find companies? What websites do you visit? What books do you read? What podcasts do you listen to? How, how do you stay on top of what what it is that you need to stay on top of? Um, I usually go outside and take a walk and I come up with <laughs> phenomenal ideas, and I just execute for the next six months. No, um, it's that easy, it, is it? Just alone just like, time and inspiration just, strikes. Yeah, just like that. No, no, it's it's not that easy. It's uh, I think it for me it comes generally from the entrepreneurs I meet. Um, I look to meet um, at least I look I look to have at least a couple of good meetings, um, at least at least a little bit more than that maybe in a week. And then each and and each one of those meetings sometimes are a step function in my own thinking, and it opens up my mind to hey that's a phenomenal opportunity. Someone should be working on that. Uh, it's very often entrepreneurs who introduce me to other entrepreneurs. Um, and they, they, and they give me, they give me sort of leads to research. They give me things that I should look into, and and formulate an opinion, or, or sort of refine an opinion. Other than that, I think, um, I think our our sort of uh, our our sort of our firm has a great tradition of uh, of, of training people, training people to be investors. Um, that 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 I, that I think is great. Um, and just being around sort of really smart people who are working on areas that you're not super familiar with. Like beyond that is the way to scale it is sort of um, uh, sort of follow the the bright people in in the investing space who are who are sort of uh, who make great investments. They often have very very good things to say. Uh, I I sort of built a, a an app on the side um, which sort of plays back uh, video uh, in in audio format only for conversations. So when I'm on my commute, I'll be listening to what Bill Gurley said in his interview or what what Mark Andreessen said or someone else said. So I. I'm sort of my downtime is actually my uptime. I, it's exactly it's the, it's this podcasting revolution, right? That uh, that enables that conversation, the raw conversations to come through while you're driving. And I think that you know, for opportunities, that time sitting in a car is a huge opportunity, right? Is that yeah. when you start to think about advertising in newspapers and the way that they're feeling there. But uh, I think it's it, it's incredible. The the last thing that I'll say about this conversation and uh, is very clearly. It seems to me like you guys are driven, and, and this is you, but maybe it's the, the mantra of foundation is that you guys are driven by, and, and almost led by, by entrepreneurs, right? The way that you've described how you find the ideas is that it's word of mouth, it's from entrepreneurs, it's you guys have a good stable of them, and they're the ones that help refer new companies in and, and bring you the, the leads and bring you the deals. It's, it's a great approach, and it's in stark contrast, I think, to the late 90s and early 2000s during the bubble when, when there was a hubris in the venture capital community that, uh, you know, it was an impenetrable bubble, almost it seemed, uh, around the VC. So I love hearing this, and uh, it's been a great pleasure to sit down and have this conversation with you, Anamitra. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, it's, it's been our pleasure. We've been speaking with Anamitra uh, Banerjee, who is a partner at the Foundation Capital Foundational, foundationcapital.com. If you've never been there, they've invested in pretty much every company that you use their product today. Um, so thank you, Anamitra. Thank you guys for sticking around. We'll see you next time on Untether.tv. See ya.